Um, hello, listeners of A Bit Spursy. It's me, Barney, uh, returning like a vulture to pick the roadkill that is Tottenham Hotspur. I'm, of course, joined uh, like I am every week with the wonderful Dan. Thank, thank you, Barney. I love the energy you've you've come back with here. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we had a few few weeks where not much was happening, some games happened, but like, you know, we had some mad results. We had some okay, some promising results, and then um, obviously the 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 Arsenal uh, North London derby <laughs> has gotten you out of your slumber to in in I would say I wouldn't say quite a rage, but I just I love the intensity that you're bringing back this week. Oh, it is it is a rage. Um, it it is uh, fueling me. Um, I I've never felt more energized. Um, it's like one of those revenge films where. Um, the the main protagonist that you're following has actually died and they need to sort of enact their revenge um, on whoever wronged them and then they can rest in peace. Uh, that's the kind of energy I'm bringing. Great. I hope I'm, I'm not stepping into the firing line myself for <laughs> this recording then. But I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Um, I'm ready for it. Uh, a lot has obviously happened. Um, yep. So where, would you like to kick off? Like I feel like... The North London derby is something we really want to get into, but maybe we could very quickly talk about the Wolves game. I need to get into the North London derby. You want to do away. North London derby? Yeah, away. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't talk about Wolves without it being coloured by uh, the game against the Scum. So, okay, let, to- let's just say then. All right, Wolves game. Uh, some promising signs. Nice to see us win a penalty shootout. Reggion yeah. coming on to score one. Uh, Brian Hill also putting one away. Very tidy. Uh, through to the next round. That is the yep. Wolves game summary. And then yep. that takes us to uh, the Emirates. Yeah, okay, the Emirates. So um, when I started being uh, sort of more interested in Spurs and staying up for all the games and being really invested in the club, it was uh, the end of AVB moving into the Sherwood era. During that time, we got pumped by Liverpool. We got pumped by City. Um, this to me, is still the worst Spurs game I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, this takes it just so easily. I cannot believe how poor it was. I um, This is the first day that I haven't, and I'm glad we're recording today because it's the first day I haven't wanted to just come straight out with Nuno needs to be sacked immediately. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm glad that I've, I've sort of... Uh, Managed to come back to my senses of just a little bit, if there were senses there to begin with. But um, yeah, okay, we need a disclaimer for our listeners that we are mm. we have transitioned to a Levy Out podcast right now. Yeah. So that yeah. is where we are heading very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we've moved beyond the you know positive takes and the thinking about things in a sort of more rational way uh, into just absolute uh, madness. Um, yeah, Levy Out, Enoch Out, Joe Lewis. Um, pushes yacht into the into the end of the earth, the sun. I don't know. Just get rid of him. Um, no, obviously not. But what were your like? Obviously, that's just my uh, histrionic takeaway of of how I felt about the game. How did you feel? Um, yeah, like I don't want to downplay uh, your emotions around it because I think they mm. are very valid. Um, but personally, I didn't 
I didn't quite feel that bad about it. Um, like it wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, and I didn't enjoy it. But I feel like I've been disappointed by other results in the past. Um, mm. Like, for example, like the Battle of the Bridge. Like yep. that is a result that I think hurt me emotionally a lot more because mm. I think as well, like even though we'd never led that season, that was the game that killed off our chances of um, catching Leicester for the title. Mm. And I think something like that, that hurt a lot more. I think mm-hmm. the Champions League final for me, that hurt a lot more because it's like, even though, again, I don't think we're going to that game as favorites, like just something about it was like, holy crap, we might be able to do something here. We might be able to like, we might be able to steal a Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> like just getting through the competition on away goals and get into this and then to have like the handball in the first minute um, mm. that like ripped the, like ripped my heart out and just like, you know, stomped on it and crushed it into a thousand tiny little pieces and, and all that. So I feel like I'm not that, um, I don't want to sound happy, but I guess I probably wasn't expecting a huge amount into this game. So yeah. I know like we'd had the positive result against Chelsea in the sense of like, oh, we're actually, we can play a more attacking lineup that, um, you know, and we do get in Dombele and we do start, you know, progressing the ball a little bit better. We do have a really good first half and it's like, okay. And then I think in Wolves, uh, in, in parts of that game as well, it's like, all right, cool. There is something starting to happen here. So, but even having said all that, I didn't think we're going to go to the Emirates and win, um, even though Arsenal being very poor. Um, just cause like we've won there once in 20 years or something like that. Mm. Um, so I think it was probably, I found it more just comical cause it was just like, of course it, this was going to happen. <laughs> of course we were going to like just crumble like, and of course <laughs> we were going to almost have like the reverse of Arsenal's first three games. Yeah. Um, so I think I've just like, I, I got probably got carried away with the entertainment aspect. I'm like, yeah, well, this just ha- this is how fate was always going to ride it um, and have it that way. But I definitely do share, I think, parts of your sort of frustration about, about how it all went down. Yeah. For me, like I, obviously in terms of the emotional brevity of, of the Battle of the Bridge or um, uh, the Champions League final, to me, this was more more upsetting because in those two games, we had worked ourselves into a position to which we're even having the stakes that were part of that game, you know, winning the Champions League or if we beat Chelsea, we're sort of right in the hunt. Um, and, and in the um, Chelsea game, you know, there were tackles flying everywhere. Like it just felt like this amazing occasion. Whether for me, this game was was so painful and and disheartening because from the get-go we were set up incorrectly which was like it was it wasn't just like a way that you can read into the players and be like they're not putting anything in they're just like you know they get paid so much money blah 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 this was like we have been set up for this game so poorly and everything that I had feared about us uh having Nuno as our manager um, in terms of like his ability to um, uh, manage this team in these kind of games was just brought to the fore immediately. And it was like, Oh my God, what is going on? Like the, uh, I'm, they've been everywhere on, tr- on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen the, the shots of um, the midfield <laughs> in his times at uh, Valencia and um, Wolves and was it Porto as well? Or, and then us. And there's just, 
all of them look the same. There's like the defense and the attack, and then there's this big gap. <laughs> and I just can't believe how uh, how poorly the the game plan was uh, was de- like the game plan that was devised was so ill fitting. Um, and, and like, I didn't, I didn't go into this game thinking that we would, um, we'd win. I was like, we, we might get a draw, um, if we're lucky or we'll lose, but it will be, you know, one nil or two nil. And then to have it over in half an hour was just like, so, so infuriating. Um, yeah, I, I was just, I, I like, I, this is the least angry I've been since, <laughs> since the game. Like it was just so awful. Um, it's like we I, needed I to do this four days later to to a, allow yeah. enough cool down time. Yeah. Um, to not just have a, a you know a sixty minute recording of just expletives all time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I just don't understand what was being like what was the point of what we did what why were we trying to overload the wings why had we had success pressing in the previous two games and then decided to not do that um and instead just try and push all our players forward to leave their very quick <laughs> wingers and attackers space to get in behind to where instead of playing Romero um we played Dyer who might be the slowest person in the world and Sanchez who doesn't particularly seem to handle pressure very well. It, it, like Nuno said in his interview, I picked the wrong personnel. I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. Like I, I set up my FIFA teams better than this. Like what do you, what was that? Um, yeah. 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 I think um, for me, like you mentioned the defensive choices and I feel like it was a little bit bizarre. And, and what led to such a huge gulf is that, yeah, we went in with Sanchez and Tanganga. Um, instead of, say, um, Royale and Romero. And I think mm. if we were, let's just say, theoretically, we were trying to play this ridiculously high line, um, which I know we weren't, doing, we weren't trying to, we're trying to just do long balls <laughs> over the top. <laughs> but um, let's just say, theoretically, if we were trying to play this really high line um, and we were going to get everyone to just push up and we were just going to like try and lob it over the top, I'm like, great. Well, I feel like you can't just have the defenders just sitting back and like leaving this whole golf in the middle there. And, you know, like you mentioned too, it's like, I think if we had Romero in there, at least on one or two of those breaks, um, he's going to be getting right up into a Bamiyang, possibly just foul him. Um, and that's fine in those situations as well. Um, and as, as well, you would be getting a lot more out of like Emerson just with the ball than we sort of get out of Tanganga. So I think it was, why I found, I guess, the whole thing so perplexing was it was a combination of a very uh, bizarre tactical choice paired with a very bizarre selection of people to sort of carry out that. Um, and I don't really understand fully what happened in the sense of how did we get there. So mm. a, a part of me thinks maybe Nuno was thinking like after the Chelsea game, like, hey, well, you know, we had a pretty good first half there, but then Chelsea managed to figure out how to how to combat that. So Arteta probably watched that game. So we need to set up differently to how we did in that game because he'll expect us to set up how we started at the start of the Chelsea game. But hang on. But if we set up it this other way, maybe he'll expect that we'll change how we're going to set up 
And then after like maybe an hour of back and forth, this little gremlin came out from under the table and like, I have a plan. It's a crazy plan. It might work though. And it was basically just like, let's not play midfield and let's just have like six players in a line forward and just lob it over the top and see what happens. Um, yeah. Like it's such a see what happens type of formation and and tactical setup too. Like you can't really go, all right, we're going to play it long. Kane is going to flick it on perfectly through to Son. It's like, no, no, no. Going from that long ball, it's already, let's see what happens. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. It was this like put it in the mixer, chaos ball type mentality without, which is what is needed at this level of football okay, if the chaos ball doesn't work, how do we then keep the chaos at that end of the field and not let them to just get out straight away, which is what they did. And I, I just am so baffled by the choice of Tanganga over Royale, but then also like Romero's on the bench, Healer's on the bench, and then, yeah, obviously Royale's on the bench. It's like, why did we sign these players? And I, I... assume from looking at the lineup he's picked players that have played in a North London derby before and because I don't think anyone that played hadn't but that Wait, has was, Tanganga oh I'm maybe sure. he, maybe he might be the only one yeah yeah but I take your point like on the rest of the squad mm. yeah yeah and I just what what was the point in doing that like when you set up in that way. And then also that he sort of what worked about, which, you know, kind of worked about the midfield that he was playing when it was Delhi, Skip and Hoybier is that you had Delhi go forward and then you had two midfielders that were able to uh, counter press or um, at least recover balls that um, moved past our forward players. But then he seemingly, unless Hoybier just went off his own <laughs> on his own, Instructed him to push forward, and Dombello was pushing forward, and Delhi was pushing forward. Like it was just so dysfunctional. Um, I it, it's difficult for me to you know when you talk about a team and it's like well no one played well, but the obviously the instructions were so mismatched to what was needed. It's difficult to criticize. The players, but I want to do that anyway because I feel like <laughs> the like out of who played, there's probably like two or three that had a passable game. Like I just, oh, I'm the, so uh, a bit Spursy yeah. medal later on is going to be uh, interesting <laughs> to oh. see how many positive <laughs> votes there are. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think as well the thing that came out of this for me too was that it's been difficult to really know exactly. Um, where the fault lies. Not that we always need to find specific fault and then just point the finger at that person, but I think as fans, we kind of like, we just want to know. We just want to know, how did we, how did this eventuate? Like, if I find out, hey, this it, it happened this way, I'm not going to be like, all right, well, this person goes, this person goes. I'd be like, okay, cool. Let's learn from that and move on, mm. take that moving forward. But it was interesting because you have Nuno who came out after the game saying, uh, he said a couple of things. He said he took some responsibility for the the tactical setup and also the the selection of players, but then he also seemed to sort of indicate that like certain players didn't, uh, you know, execute his uh, tactics as they were intended to, um, and so that kind of leaves it very open to go. All right, 
what actually happened here? Were the tactics just so nuts and the players did what they were told, but then Nuno's just backtracking? I don't think that's the case. Um, were the players, did they just not understand exactly what all the tactics in every situation would be? And then therefore they made some errors and just got it completely wrong. I think there's probably a part of that. Like I think both camps seem to be at fault and there was definitely a breakdown in communication of what the overall game plan is. Because I think if you actually look at it and go, if any like manager goes, Hey, this is our specific game plan. What just happened? You'd be like, they have to be an absolute lunatic. Mm. And I think like, you know, you don't get to where Nuno is by being an absolute like nutter. Mm. So I, I think it's probably like somewhere in the middle um, in which case you could probably look at it and go like, well, you know, the manager may be overcomplicated things a little bit. And it could also be a case of the players are, they, they're playing too many different sort of variations from week to week. They're not like getting settled in a certain way. You also have different players coming in and playing different roles in different positions. And I think that is also a bit challenging. So when you have someone like Hoybier, who I personally think that Skip is better in that deeper role. Um, and then having Hoybier like run around and have a like he's got a little bit more freedom to kind of like get stuck into things um, without the risk of being like the last sort of midfielder. Um, mm. And so I think that him suddenly then going and playing deeper in that skip position um, and then like his press on um, Jucker, which I also think was a foul from Jucker to begin mm. with. But also like when you look at that on the replay, you're like – you kind of a bit of he's like, Hoybier, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, that is such an aggressive sort of move there. Um, and it's like, cool, if you had Skip behind you, you can kind of maybe get away with that um, possibly. Mm. But when you're supposed to be like the deepest midfielder out of the three there, you look at that and you're like, what is going on? What's happened here? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, I mean, that was the whole game for me. It was like, what? What is going on? What what is the what, why are they doing? Why is Hoybier doing that? Why why is Delhi in this position? Like why is Lucas in the midfield? Like what what is going on? Um, in terms of to me, this was like if Jose Mourinho wanted to give a presentation, a TED talk, say about why he didn't pick Delhi Ali, this game would he could just play Delhi's clips from this game and be like, and this is why. Because he was, and like I'm a, I love Delhi. He was atrocious, like mm. just meandering on the ball, couldn't pick a pass, like slow. It was. I was like, oh okay, all right. If if this is it, it like we had the golden years under Poch where he was playing that sort of second striker role, and if this is Delhi not doing that and not under that system, like. <laughs> He needs to not play. Like that is that this was, is back was shocking. To, this is back to Delhi's brother. Um, yeah, this is Delhi's brother. This is Delhi's brother coming back in, and yeah, it seems like um, there's been a lot of talk about Delhi and like his best position and and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I think he's played well, being um, he's sort of sorry, he's played well in that deeper role, and I don't mean mm. deeper in the sense of like deep in the midfield, but uh, playing trying to play more of that box to box sort of player. Like I think for the first few games of the season, like he was looking more promising in that position. Um, I think kind of like, I think you need to play a very specific system if you're trying to play him in between the lines or like pushing up further. 
And I know like Glenn Hoddle after the game commented a lot and was like, you have to play, be playing Delhi off the strike. You have to be playing forward, playing forward. I almost kind of think though that that's like also Hoddle, you know, maybe looking at himself as like when he was a player and <laughs> yeah, not being yep. renowned for his defensive qualities and having that freedom and doing a lot of damage in that position. And so I think it's like, yeah, Delhi could operate in that position, but I think it's such a specific like role to play. Um, and it's like, yeah, it worked for patches under Poch, but then also there were a lot of times under Poch too where we're like, drop Delhi, you have to drop him, it's not working. Um, mm. Because it's one of those roles where it's like you're kind of relying on him to either score or get an assist, and if he doesn't do that, he offers very little in that role. Mm. So I just think it was it was really interesting watching some of the analysis and some of the clips of this game showing how high Delhi and Ndombele were pressing. Um, I think as well it's like Ndombele, like, you know he doesn't have an engine on him. So mm. to get him to push high, you just know he's not going to get back. Yeah. Like there's no chance of that happening. He's not getting back yeah. at all. So I think that seemed to be a tactical kind of choice for them to push up a bit, whether they overdid that and went a bit far. Um, but I really think like after watching this game, like I'm not convinced on now on a midfield three of Hoybier, Delhi, and Ndombele together. Mm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I thought this was within five minutes. I was like, this is a Gio Lo Celso game. Bring Gio on. This is like, if you know, he's copped a lot of flack over the last week or two, but one thing that he can do is he's put very positionally aware. He's a good tackler. Um, he is able to track back and run. I was like, how is he not playing here? Is this some weird punishment for going on international duty? Like what? <laughs> What's the go? And he can also, you know, we've seen him pick a pass. And the, just the, like, I felt the, the main victim for me of this game was was poor Sonny because the balls that he was getting, he would receive it and then he'd have three Arsenal players and it was like, you know, within a metre of him and he couldn't, as much as he was running, it was like, what's he supposed to do? Like, and again, that's another problem with the setup. It was like, you're not, this setup doesn't help Sonny, who's, you know, arguably our best player, um, to do anything. It, it, it just makes him isolated and, yeah. Well, and it was also like Kane was getting dominated by Ben White. Um, yeah. Like, and Kane should be winning that battle, like mm. realistically. And this isn't again like, all right, let's just pile back on Kane and like, you know, get get caught up too much in that narrative. But he didn't have a good game. He didn't assert himself in this game. It's like, yeah, he had a couple of chances, uh, which he didn't take. Um, mm. but, and also look, let's be fair. He could have had a penalty and he should have had a penalty from the tackle on white, but yep. for a lot of the contests, I thought whenever it did get up towards him, like I think white got the better of him and it's like, all right, for this system to work at all, you need that center forward to be absolutely dominant, like be a monster in the air. And you know that there's like 70% chance that they are going to be able to flick the ball on, um, in something like this, which is why it was so bizarre because like, apart from Kane, like we don't have players who are that good in the air. You've got someone like um, Lucas who he's actually got a pretty good leap on him. And when a cross comes in, um, he does pretty well um, getting for, you know, getting to those headers considering as well that he's not the tallest guy going around, yeah. but it seemed very weird as well. Like Delhi is not really a massively physical player who loves getting up in those aerial jewels either. So it was just like, I think when you've got like Kane operating at like 50%, maybe even a bit less. And that slip from Kane is like, oh, 
when does Kane do that? Um, yeah. You know, so we've got a very damaged Kane right now. Um, mm-hmm. It just seemed very bizarre, especially after the Chelsea game. It's like, cool, we drop Kane back because we we want to avoid getting him into a battle with Thiago Silva and mm-hmm. we want to go Son through the middle. So it's like, all right, cool. Wouldn't that work as well in this game better than what it actually did to go like, all right, okay, we're not we're trying to avoid getting Kane into big physical battles at the moment. So let's why why are we just putting back in the middle now and just then lump the ball up to him all game? It was I mean, I think, you know, from what has happened in the last three games, he needs to be dropped. Like it's the fact that he was even picked for this game, I was very surprised. Like, and it's probably because, you know, Bergbine's injured and um, for some reason, Brian Hill doesn't deserve a start, despite the fact he's been good every single time he's come on. Apparently um, the club have told him, um, I read this today, that he's they've told him that he needs to beef up. Really? Yeah. Apparently the the message is that he's too skinny. He's a skinny mm-hmm. little boy. And they yep. want him to put on a bit of um put on a bit of weight, put on a bit of muscle. Um, which I think there is probably a point to that. Um yep. But and I hope that's not the reason that he's just not playing. But like that's not enough to keep someone out of the team right now. Um, yeah. Because when he did come on as well, like he's every single time he's come on, I think he looks like a tidy player. He's someone who gets about and can make things happen, not in the sense of just putting his head down and just like ending up in a cul-de-sac like Lucas. It's like mm. he actually does get on the ball and he likes to play very direct. And it's mm. like great. That's the sort of player that we desperately need right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, regardless of, I agree. He probably like, he is a skinny little boy, but, (laughs) but also he's despite that every, he's been effective in every single game he's played. Um, and he needs to be granted the chance to, to play, um, and to start. And just so he, it might not work, but it's not working at the moment anyway. So why would he not need, you know, not need to start. I just, the Kane factor for me, and I, I'm sorry I'm going back to it, but it just makes me so angry to watch him, the way he's playing. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I, you you know, Kane gets called this sort of like consummate professional and he doesn't, you know, but this is not what a consummate professional does. If, if you know, the way he's playing is a result, is a result of be it consciously or unconsciously that, he didn't get the move that he wanted. It's like it's not it's not acceptable. And like the most like the image that is burnt into my retinas from this game is after Sonny scores, he's got the ball and he's trying to corral everyone to to get back and you know we can do this, we can do this. And Kane is like barely jogging, and you know like Hoybier, I don't know what happens. He doesn't look interested either. I was like, this is. As much as you can't comment on like mentality and being a proper football man and all this kind of stuff, I was like, this is maybe the closest evidence you can get to um, that being a factor that's actually affecting the outcome. I was just, it was so infuriating to see. Oh, definitely. And it looks like he's just wading through mud. Like I feel Mm. like every time we watch Kane play now, it's like he's doing a tough mudder. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, just like, it just seems like it's a struggle um, it just seems like, like Kane's never been the most agile, but like when he's pretty sharp, like he's pretty sharp. Like mm. he, he's not, he's not going to outpace a, a lot of defenders, but, um, he, he, he definitely has that sharpness to him. 
um, mm. which is completely gone right now. Um, which I think is evident as well by like the fumble that he had. And yes, you can go, all players can fumble. If we were set up differently, we wouldn't have only had, you know, three players behind the ball at that stage. Um, but like that fumble, a fumble of that magnitude is very uncharacteristic for someone like Kane. Um, especially mm. cause like, he's not a player who usually, it's not a player who's like trying to dribble and really go one-on-one and, and then might slip up and might do that. Um, you know, cause you're operating at such a high speed trying to get past someone. Um, it was just very, very clumsy. And it almost showed that once he gave that away, he absolutely legged it to get back um, to try and save his skin, made the tackle. Fair fair call. It was a great slide, but then he mm. got very unlucky that it just like, it was like one of those things on FIFA where you have like, you play against like Messi and the ball, you tackle and the ball just ends up still at Messi's feet. And you just can't. Yeah. And it just seemed like a glitch had happened where Saka just ends up with the ball after that. Um, but I think what was kind of telling to that for me was like, that's the most Kane put in for like the whole game from what it looked like was mm. that when he'd made a mistake and he got that drive in him, it's like that subconscious just clicked in him and he's like, all right, oh no, oh, I need to get back on this. I can't let this be a goal. I can't let this be a goal. Whereas it's like, where has any of that intensity gone from like, um, from the rest of his game? Like it seems to just not be there at all at the moment. Yeah. It's bizarre. And on the intensity, I've seen a couple of comments about, uh, you know, you see uh, from the sidelines, Arteta is very animated. He's coming out of his box. He's talking to his players. And then the camera pans to Nuno and he's just standing completely still. Um, <laughs> and he looks he looks in his eyes. What I see is embarrassment. <laughs> and um, I don't, like, I don't need a manager to be yelling and screaming for 90 minutes. That's not, I can understand why you would. But in that situation where, Everything is is just not happening for your team. Nothing, nothing is happening for your team. It is a bad look <laughs> to see him just being almost like a statue. And like I couldn't help but reflecting uh, on another defensive Portuguese manager we've had, Mourinho. He would have gone bananas if this was happening, mm. and he also would have made. And I can't believe I'm making this <laughs> comparison, but like I can't see once that first goal goes in or even the second that Mourinho lets anything like because of his own ego and pride, he's like, all right, we've got to do something, you know, we're changing this um, or I've got to try and G out the players or whatever. But by the time, you know, after half an hour when the game was done, like it was like, well, what what are you going to do now? And nothing, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, it's a thing that I believe a lot of managers do do and they wait too long to make subs mm. um, and it's like great you can make these subs throughout the game but why do subs just need to always happen second half like if we go back uh, quite a few years now um, to when Hiddink was uh, taking Australia, well, trying to get Australia into the World Cup and mm. he knew that Kuehl was not ready to go for a full game um, so we, we're going against Uruguay and Kuehl's on the bench and then Kuehl, this, Kuehl came on in 30 minutes um, change the game, we win, we go through. It wasn't a thing where another player got injured and Kill came on. It was a tactical thing of like, he can't do the whole 90. We need to give him 30 off. Let's just let the game sort of start, like get that initial, you know, hoo-ha out of the way. And then mm. let's bring Kill on and make this. Like I've never seen a tactical change made so early that wasn't due to like, you know, an injury or that sort of thing. But mm. I feel like Nuno's sort of shown a bit of a reluctance to make subs. And it reminds me again of Pochettino. 
like we always just keep going back to how brilliant Pochettino was and like in many ways he was great and he had us playing a great brand of football at the beginning and through, you know, most of his tenure. But I remember back then there were so many games he would just not make subs and Mm. the game would almost, it's like the game just gets away from you. Mm. And it's like if you see a game like this against Arsenal, you can see that first goal. It's like, all right, this is a bit of a worry. You can see that second one. It's like, all right, subs. <laughs> like, yeah. we need to change up what we're doing. Like, why aren't you then going, all right, this is really not working. This is going to get a bit out of control. All right, skip, you go on. We need to, act, we need to strengthen now and like, we need to like at least get a bit of a foothold in the game in midfield and, um, you know, keep a bit more eye on the defense and the break that Arsenal are mm. getting us for. But then it's like, no, all right, cool. We just let the third one happen. Uh, and then we go through to half time, and then we're like, all right, now we'll make some subs. And it was almost like, I think to put up, to, sorry, to, to pick up on what you said before, it's like Nuno standing there looking embarrassed. It was almost like the subs at half time. It was like, it was made more to like maybe avoid embarrassment further. Whereas I think it's like, if you're a really proactive manager, you're making those subs before half time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you reflect back on, that Champions League game where Jose brought Dyer off after like 21 minutes after we conceded, was it two? And then we win 4-2 um, because of what he did and how reactive he was. And Dyer was really upset. But I feel like it's one of those tactical innovations that's going to happen at some point in the Premier League or in, in Europe's top five leagues where a, a manager goes, I don't care if your ego's bruised and you come off at 20 minutes. Um, because all we're doing is trying to win and that's what we're doing and you need to get over it because it's not about you, it's about um, the game shape or the game state or whatever. Yeah. And there will be someone that comes along. I mean, there already has been. Obviously, Mourinho does it and, and even old Gus Hiddink does it, but like that is able to react really quickly and be like, okay, let's go to plan B or let's go to plan C or whatever. Because, and I guess that was the most damning thing about as I said, uh, Nuno standing there, you know, looking embarrassed like a statue, was that after the first two goals, you would think that that would inspire you to be like, right, we need to do something different right now. Um, Because both goals, and in fact all three goals, are not like, they're not worldies. They're not like, wow, what movement? How could we have stopped it? Um, They were like, People didn't track runners. People were in the wrong spot. Like they were easy. Um, It looked like training drills where you go, all right, we're going to do a drill now for the next half an hour where uh, each wave we're going to overload the defense. So we're going to play with, uh, you know, four attackers, two defenders, and let's go. Uh, It just looked Mm. like it was just wave and wave after that. Um, And like you say, like they weren't worldies. Like I think they were very, they were very clinical. Like in a normal game, I don't think a team is scoring those like they were pretty much like, I think they had like six shots in the first half or something like that. But like, it seemed like on those breaks, they were like three from three. And I Mm. think that their, their XG was something like 1.5 or something like that. So it's like, they were, they, you don't want to say like they got lucky in that sense, but like they were just very clinical with those chances and very few times you're going to play teams. Like it felt like a Man City would kind of play more like that. But even still, Sterling's missing one of those or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. so I think we got a bit unlucky in the sense of like, all right, Arsenal are just, they've got their finishing boots on. They are not missing mm. anything today. But 
it's just like, yeah, I think it's a real, a real failure to react. I think on the point you said about like players and egos are getting subbed early. I think that only happens because players are like, oh, first half subs only happen when something is desperately wrong and it's embarrassing to get subbed off in a first mm. half. Well, like you say, if a manager came along, they're like, I don't care what time of the game it is. Um, if a sub needs to be made, I'm going to make it. I'll make subs for half time. It don't really bother me. Um, then players will suddenly be like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. There's no difference for me getting subbed off in the 20th minute as opposed to the 60th minute mm. if it's a tactical maneuver and if we need to switch things up and we need to do that. Because like so much of management is like they're watching all these game tapes from the teams. They're sending scouts to these teams. They're doing these in-depth things of trying to predict, all right, how is this team going to play against us? How can we surprise them? How can we do this? How can we do this? And I think that's where you look at, say, what happened to us in the Chelsea game. We get to 35 minutes. Tuchel (laughs) goes, hey, Azpilicueta, come over here. Pull Mount back into midfield. We need to play three in there. And then we need to make that change. So that was quite a significant tactical change. And then at mm. halftime, it's like, Mount, you're not a central midfielder, like go on box to box. Let's bring on Kante. Goodbye game. All done. Mm. Um, and it just seems like there's, you know, a lot of managers kind of like, I don't know whether they don't, they feel like it's embarrassing to change their tactics so early. And there's some sense of pride of like, no, no, no my tactics are right. They just need a bit of time to sort of come through. But it's something which is so bizarre to see. And it, I, it might only be unique to like this sport as well. Where it's like we you you just there's this avoidance of making changes um, early on in games, and I don't know why. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I I just think, as I said, that the first manager that does it and does it successfully, all of a sudden it's going to be this like revolutionary thing. Um, when it's like it was always there, it was always available, and for some reason, no one has capitalized on this advantage. Like you get three, like use them. Don't yeah. wait until the 80th minute and then swap a defensive midfielder for another defensive midfielder because you're like, oh, well, they've got more energy. It's like, no, <laughs> change the shape. And, like, once we did change the shape and came back out for the second half in a 4 like, we didn't look good, but we looked better than we did in the first half. Um, oh, we, definitely were, looked, you know, we definitely did. We definitely did. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there were... A couple of, you know, on another day, it ends up being 2-3 or 3-3 because of, you know, the penalty and we, we hit the bar. And um, I just, by that point, though, the players just seemed so uh, dejected that, you know, what can you really do from there? Like, it's going to have to be a pretty amazing comeback. Definitely. Well, like you said, like, you know, there, there was the chance, the penalty and, Look, if that's not a penalty, I mean, what is a penalty? It it is clearly oh. a foul. It's clearly inside the box. Like, I still feel that referees are being influenced by fans being back in the stadium, and mm. VAR is still too sort of soft in their overruling of referees. Like, mm. I am of the opinion that you should be able to go VAR instead of like, oh, it's we only overrule clear and obvious errors. Um, <laughs> I feel like you need to be like hey, ref, there was contact there. You need to go have another look. Mm. Like you don't have to say, oh, we think it's a penalty. But you go, look, there's contact there. It's in the box. You should probably go have a look on the screen. If you keep your decision cool, if not, cool. Um, But like I just don't know how that doesn't even get reviewed properly. Um, Yeah. And then the other chance, like, yeah, Mora um, 
has the shot, gets the deflection, and then Ramsdale pulls off a really good save. Um, mm. um, but like the game was, it did feel like it was turning a little bit. You could argue that Arsenal thought they'd already got it in the bank, so they like sort of eased off. But I think we definitely were playing ourselves into the game a bit more. And, you know, if we had another 10, 15 minutes, which you can save so many games, um, I felt like we were probably looking more likely to score again than they were. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, it was just, it's just so, it's just so kind of just baffling. Like I would love to have a Maverick manager, like you're saying, who like 10 minutes in, they just make three subs. <laughs> and then the other team be like, what is that? What's going on? Hang on. Yeah. And just change up the whole system 10 minutes into a game. Mm-hmm. That'd be Can amazing. You imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine all the prep and they, you know, Tottenham come out with the lineup you expect and they start playing the same way and you're like, we know how to deal with this. And then 10 minutes in, it's like, cool, three subs. You'd be like, what? What's happening? What um, on something you said before about uh, this idea of um, my tactics just need patience. I need to, we just need to wait it out and these tactics will pay off. They're not working at the moment. I wonder you know, in my blind Nuno outrage of the last three days. Not that I actually want him to get fired because who do we replace him with? What's the mm. what's the point? Um, the thing is that, like, if we give him patience and, and wait, um, like, what what is this going to turn into? And so I, I had a bit of a look at Pochettino's first six games because that's sort of the the argument for giving people time and Poch had a pretty easy run um, on the way in. He, um, you know, had, we beat West Ham, then we thrashed uh, QPR. We got thumped by Liverpool three nil. We drew with Sunderland two, two, which is terrible. Uh, We lost to West Brom (laughs) um, and then we drew one, one with Arsenal. And that was our first six games. Obviously it's different because we played Man City, um, We've played uh, Chelsea and we've had a North London derby, which is, you know, slightly slightly different. But I remember when he came in after the previous season where AVB gets fired and then we've got Sherwood, we lost to City, you know, we lost, I think it was 5-0 and then 6-0 or something like that. Like it was awful. Yeah. And, win- and losing 4-1 when Pochettino was in, I remember being like, Cool. Like, yeah, improvement. But we've had that now. And so when Nuno comes in and we start losing these games that we think that we should win, it's so much more um, painful and affecting. And I wonder whether just in, you know, the high of the Pochettino era and then where we are now, is that just is it just reflective of where the club's at and we're just going to have just a dirty year? Or is this just teething and we're going to come out the other side and things aren't going to be so bad? Like, is he going to pull a Conte and be like, right, we're doing 3-4-3 now? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? I think I think it's a pretty difficult one. Like, I, I think the Spurs job is a difficult job to come into. Um, you know, you're following, um, you're following Mourinho, so one of the most decorated mm. managers of all time. Uh, didn't have a great spell with Spurs overall, but, like, you know, it's difficult to follow someone like that. Then before him, you're following, like, Probably our most beloved manager since Bill Nicholson, maybe, um, yep. in Pochettino. Um, you're also then having to deal with a fan base who have sky-high expectations, which have been raised by the progress that the club has made overall mm. over the last like, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, I think as well, 
adding further, you know, elements into that. Um, I don't really believe this whole idea of like, oh, Nuno was sixth choice, so he'll he'll be aware of that every day. It's like I don't think he cares yeah. about like he doesn't care about that. Like, yeah. If I was going for a job somewhere and I was like sixth choice, I'm not going to get in and go like, oh, you know what? I'm sixth choice. No, oh, that sucks. I'm going to be like, mm. all right, I've got it now. So who cares? Mm. Let's do it. Um, but I do think it's difficult to come in when you've had your star player, a talisman of the club, the best player we've had in the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, um, having so, so many things happening in the off season. Mm. Um and not to just pin this all on Kane, but I think that that has there has been such a that has had such an impact. I think on everything, um, because all the other players in the club they look to Kane as well. Like he's captain of England. His team talks aren't that inspiring from what we saw <laughs> in um, All or Nothing. Come on, boys! All right, let's go! The ball! Yay! We're like, all right, cool, but whatever. If people mm. like that, that's fine. Um, but it's just like that was very disruptive. Um, I think as well, it's like, you know, you've had a system where this, with these international games, you've had a bunch of players out quarantining, doing all this sort of stuff. I'm not just trying to make it blind excuses for Nuno um, by any stretch, but I'm just trying to go like, look, it has been a pretty difficult time where there's been no real consistency um, to really kind of like, you know, work with the squad for a while. Um, And I noticed it in the Ramsdale interview after the game where he was talking about um, not being called up in the most recent um, international uh, window for England. And he was like, it was really great because it allowed me to have 14 days just at the club working with like, you know, um, Arteta every day, like going through everything and really getting into a really good place. And it just kind of made me think like, huh, yeah, we don't really have that. Like we've had that disruption with a lot of the the, the key players that we've been sort of relying on. Um, we're going to get that disruption again um, you know, this month in October, given that we have another three internationals um, coming through as well. So I think it's like overall I'm sort of like maybe forgiving of the circumstances around it and I think maybe we haven't had enough time um, with Nuno yet to really make a call. But at the same time, the one concern I might have is that we seem to be chopping and changing a bit in terms of systems Whereas I would probably prefer us to be playing a more consistent system and just going with the players that we have within that rather than going, oh, we don't have them this week. Let's change up the system and do something different. Mm. To me, what's most confusing is that in our preseason games, we had a pretty good preseason and we played what looked like Nuno Ball the entire time. And we won a trophy, obviously, a very illustrious one. Um, the trophy uh, the cabinet tro- is no longer dusty. Yeah, exactly. The mind trophy, which is maybe the most prestigious because we all have a mind and think about the power that it has. Yeah. Um, but like, I was just going to say, the Dulux dog was pretty damn quiet after we won yeah. the uh, the mind trophy. So yeah, not yeah. bad. Dulux, Dulux dog, uh, <laughs> where are you now? Yeah. Um, it'll come back out now that we've had these losses. Um, but... <laughs> We played Nuno Ball and it was like, okay, so this is what we're doing. We're doing this again. We just had Levy comes out and does that big statement about uh, attacking football and that's the DNA of Tottenham and then we hire Nuno and it's like, yeah, Wolves were fun for periods but we're going to be playing this system. We do it and then the season comes around. We do it for three games. Then we change and start playing sort of more aggressively and more attacking, which – 
is good to watch, but it hasn't worked out very well for us. And for me, it's like, why didn't we do this in the pre? Why didn't we try this in the preseason? Why did we do the thing that worked in the preseason? And now we're like experimenting and chopping and changing. Obviously, some of it is due to, you know, factors outside his control. But also, like, what? That's what preseason's for. That's why you've got it in FIFA 2022. <laughs> you know, like, Nuno, what I'm saying is Nuno needs to play FIFA 22. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. And like, yeah. look, I guess you could say too, like, you know, I think Nuno got hired basically the day before preseason started. So True. it was kind of straight back into it. And you had like players like Kane coming back late. You had like, you know, Romero, La Celso, players like that all coming back late. Um, so like, I put it like this, I think I'd be a lot more critical of Nuno if he had had the whole summer to work through this, plus say if there were no Euros, there was no um, Cop America, any of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just been like, it's it's just a very rushed time. Like I think if, it still feels to me, it's like we don't really know what identity we're trying to play with. Uh, we don't really know what our best starting 11 is at the moment. Um, and I think it's just all coming out and that's why we're getting kind of like some really inconsistent, you know, um, performances, but I think we're just in a very unique situation because it's like, you know, not many clubs have like their record signing as being this incredible enigma in, in Dombele, um, who like, I've just got to mention in Dombele that I'm, I'm losing faith in him overall, Mm. um, like on the ball, when he gets it, when he get when he gets it deep, when he turns players, when he plays pass through, when he looks to make moves, I'm like, wow, this is a player who's so unique and so brilliant at that. But I'm just like, I don't know if he's a modern footballer. Like, yeah. I think the modern game, especially Premier League, it demands so much more from all of your midfielders that I don't think you can carry a a player like that who, and I know he does more defensive work than we give him credit for, but also there's so many clips of him like jogging back. Um, after, and his body language is always pretty poor, like in those mm. situations too. And it just feels like, you know, and Dombele is a player who, you know, maybe in the seventies, he would have been like top, top 10 in the world. Um, mm. but I just feel it's like, I, our record signing is, you know, a player like that, who we're really struggling to get the best out of. And like, I think we should have sold him. I know there's a lot of fans who say like, who, who say he should have gone like a, you know, basically as soon as we bought him, um, mm. other fans say, no, he's incredible and he needs to stay and it'll be such a loss. But, you know, I think if, you know, it's something that, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, when he talks about like all his, um, all his business stuff all the time, he's always like, look, if you think you're going to like spend so long on hiring and you're going to make an incredible choice, that's just wrong. It's like, you just need to hire and then just get good at firing quickly. So hmm. it's like, don't waste all your time hiring. It's like, you know, get people in. If it's not working, ship them out. Mm-hmm. Do that. You'll save a lot more time and all that sort of stuff. And I just feel it's like, I think we just need to start like, you know, obviously building some consistency overall, but also just getting rid of players who aren't working out. It doesn't mean that they're a bad player, but it just means like, hey, they're not, it might not work for them here. Let's stop trying to hang on to like Ndombele and try and turn him into the player that we thought that we were going to get. It's like, it's just might be time to ship him off. And if we take a loss there, we take a loss, but we need to start doing this with some of our players. 
Yeah, I agree. I, and I'm really pleased you said that because I have, and I think we both have just dug our heels in about him because a lot, a lot of the early criticism was all the classic stuff you hear about black players where it's like lazy, dumb, you know, all these horrible, horrible stereotypes and as a way of resisting that. And obviously he's very talented. You know, I think we both dug our heels in and were like, nah, he's good. He should stay. It'll work out. And uh, to me at the moment, I'm like, it's not, it's not working out. This isn't happening. And he um, is not tracking back. He's not, um, he's come back not fit again. It's like we, <laughs> we cut your losses. Like we need to just get rid of him. Um, and it's sad because, you know, those little, you know, uh, moments of the game where he does go around players or he does something fantastic, they're really exciting. But to me, it's like when we bought Eric Lamella, he was bought in as the bail replacement and he was supposed to be this exciting, tricky dude. And we got him and he wasn't that. And he, f- through his own tenacity, managed to shape this like role for himself where he was like the leg breaker of the team and he ran really <laughs> hard and he did all this other stuff because the other th- stuff wasn't working. And Endor Ballet fulfills the promise of what he is supposed to be a little bit more than that, but also falls short at, because he doesn't do all this other stuff that, like you said, we need a midfielder to do. And I'm just so, especially after the Arsenal game, I'm like, I'm over this. I don't need to like pin my dreams on some some guy that does like a couple of pirouettes and it looks great and then jogs back. Like I'm not interested. And which is why it's so surprising to me that Lo Celso has copped so much stick because he, although he doesn't do the special things that Endobele does, he is so much more of a complete midfielder. And sure, his time at Spurs has, you know, been uh, really, you know, affected by injury and then obviously going to Argentina to play international football, which was insane. Um, But, yeah, I just, I think we need to get better at being like, this isn't working, see ya. Definitely. And also just being fine with that and not Mm. seeing it like like an embarrassment. And I feel that Mm. maybe like if... You know, we the the really difficult thing is that we don't actually know how much money other clubs are offering for these players. Mm. So it's very difficult for us to go. Oh, Levy is being too proud. He should sell for whatever he can get, whatever he can get. Like you're not going to sell a fifty million dollar, um, sorry, fifty million pound player for like twenty mil. Like it's just not. It's yeah. not going to do that. So we don't know what sort of offers are coming in, if they are even coming in at all. So mm. I understand there's that aspect as well, but overall. Like, yeah, we just need to ship these players out. Somehow we need to find a way. And I guess that's like Paratici's puzzle to <laughs> to play with, yeah. like to do that. But I, I think that, you know, the same as what you said, it's like um, it feels like I feel quite worn down from defending Ndombele um, mm. over so long. And I also feel like, you know, certain types of players, and it's not just Ndombele, it's other players in this team too. Um, if you have that Arsenal game, I don't care what the manager says, like defy the manager when it's not working, you know, when it's working (laughs) that poorly. Mm. Like, can you see, for example, if like, you know, back in the day, if Ferguson set up a United team in a specific way and it wasn't going well, can you see Roy Keane in the middle of the park going like, you know what, that's fine. Gaffer said, do this, follow the gaffer, do that. 
Mm. He would be grabbing people by the throat and going like, get back, get back. We need to shuffle. We need to do this. We need to do this. And mm. I think, um, again, it makes me, and I don't want to just keep going on about Tuchel and the changes that he made, but, um, you know, Tuchel and Azpilicueta, they're like, they go, they have a chat and they go, cool, let's do this. Hey, Azpilicueta, you go out, you sort this out on the field. Mm. And it's like, who are we getting to do that? Who's on the field actually taking that responsibility to actually go gaffer, not working. We need this. We need this. Mm. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's what we kind of maybe are lacking a little bit. And then we're lacking the players who turn around and go, you know what, this is not working, but I'm going to work so hard to get back and at least put a plug on conceding the goals and then mm. get through to half time, And then we can work out then how to go and attack the game again. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, it hasn't been covered and it's probably because he had uh, such a crack game, but there was a moment where Hoybier runs over to um, Nuno and is talking and is pointing and saying, you know, like sort of raising his shoulders and going, yeah. what are you? And and the, Nuno doesn't, he just kind of nods his head and that's it. And I was like, like clearly Hoybier's come over to be like, what are we doing? What's happening? Um, or just to communicate any, I mean, I've got no idea what he might've been like, do you like chicken wings or do you like, uh, hot chips more? What do you reckon? Like, who and that's knows? a tough decision. But, so Nuno's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> anyway, know. Yeah. Go and play in my terrible system. Um, <laughs> like I, but it just didn't happen where it was like this weird, awful, uh, like the bad place parallel to the previous yeah. week where, uh, Tuchel and, as Bill Queller had had that little, um, that chat. What I wanted to ask you is, so we have a game tomorrow morning, our time uh, in the Europa League. Yeah. Sorry, no, we're not in that. We're in the Conference League. Um, <laughs> and then we have Aston Villa on the weekend. Yeah. If we are to lose both those games, you are a much more patient man than me. Would you still be happy with keeping uh, Nuno as our manager if we lose both? And not, and it doesn't have to be a thrashing, but it, they're convincing losses. Um, okay, if we lose the conference game, like we're playing, mm. I think who are they, uh, Mura? I think they're Mura. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they're called. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where that team's from. And I don't mean yep. that in a disrespectful thing about the team, but I'm like, they're not from one of the top, like, you know, five, six leagues. Um, mm. So we should win that game with a second string team. Yeah. Um, so we should win that game. And I think, especially after Ren and drawing there, um, I think we need a, we need some some points um, mm. to keep this alive because I'm still overall of the belief that we're in this competition. We shouldn't think that we're above it because that's so, like, arrogant to mm. think, like, you know, I think as fans, like, we've got to stop just thinking, like, oh, we're, we're only a Champions League club and everything else is a failure and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, no, give credit to other teams who have done really well and are, like, pushing for that, for those spots and we're playing in a really competitive league. Don't give credit to Man City and Chelsea because of all the oil money. But everyone else yeah. who's pushing forward, like, we're playing in a tough league and give credit to them for, like, you know, um, improving and challenging more. So I think it's just really, like, I, I guess it's, like, when I when we talk about these conference leagues, like they're a joke league and that they, it's like, it, it'd almost be embarrassing to win and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, no, start building up this mentality that whatever game we're stepping out to play, we are not going to lose. And that's mm. what all the great players have. Like you never hear of Michael Jordan going down to like, you know, a street court and going, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy today. He's going to like, Jordan has so many stories of going to like, 
you know, there's like a college player who goes, I'm better than Jordan. I'll be better than him. And then Jordan shows up at his college, plays him one-on-one at the age of like 45, destroys him. And he's like, shut your mouth. <laughs> and then goes yeah. like, yeah. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest competitors ever in any sport. But mm. I think we just need to take, start taking this. Um, and I know this is a bit of a sort of a, a tangent to go off on, but I think it's like, overall, I want to see us winning, um, winning this Europa uh, Conference League game. Um, the Villa game, I think, is a challenging game. Like Villa are playing well. Like Villa are a decent team. Like it's not a team that we should just like um again, we can't start looking at all these teams in the Premier League and just think win, 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 win. Oh, if we lose, it's the worst thing ever. Because there mm. are so many good teams, it's a really challenging league. So by that as well, I feel like if we lose against Villa, I'm still not probably like Sack Nuno. Because again, it's like there are so many good teams. Um, in this league, but it's more about how we play. I think, to me, um, mm-hmm. and if we if we look if we do a completely new system when we're all over the shop, I'd be like, Nuno, my man, you got to pick something and just roll with it. Mm. Um, but I've still got like a few games in him. Like I think we start getting to like 10, 12 games, um, then I would. And if we're just still losing everything, then I'd still be like, all right, some serious problems here. Um, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, who comes in to replace him? I, I don't Ryan want him Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I love if you were just like baiting me with this whole question just to like become like pro Mason. Um, Mason in. <laughs> Mason in. <laughs> I made a tweet uh, on our account <laughs> like uh, midway through the second half, Mason in. And a lot of comments were like, I just don't think he's the man for the job. It's like, <laughs> obviously he's not. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say on that, like, so um, like I've said, I, I think I've still got some more, some more games before I, I give up on Nuno. But yeah. um, by the way that you asked the question, I feel like you're probably reaching the end of your tether. Is that fair? I or you're getting close? Very much. I'm very much reaching. the. So similar to what you said, if we were to, if we lose in the conference league, and I agree with you about, you know, thinking that we're above it and we should win every game blah, blah, blah. If we lose in the conference league and then lose poorly to Villa uh, in a similar vein, it doesn't have to be 3-1 or, you know, it can be 2-0, but it's convincing and we don't offer anything and don't have any good chances and, you know, whatever, then I will be like, I'm done. Because <laughs> I've seen... Ryan Mason, the next Alex Ferguson, manage this club and have better, like, have better results and have a more cohesive uh, attacking plan than Nuno. And that to me is so damning. Um, one thing I wanted to just jump back on you said, you know, you shouldn't uh, give any sympathy to Chelsea or Man City because they're the oil clubs. And I had an idea, obviously, that there's the North London derby, there's the Merseyside derby, um, <laughs> Liverpool um, versus United is a big game, City United is a big game. You know, there's other derbies. Chelsea Man City, what if we started calling it George Bush's Oil War derby, right? <laughs> and so that when they play each other, George Bush gets flown in, right, and he he comes and he says, he, he gives a speech, um, and he's like, and this is why I started the oil wars um, because of this game. And then um, they, you know, instead of um, confetti or anything, it's just oil gets sprayed everywhere. 
Um, and then the game begins. What do you think? I'd be down for that. I'd be down for mm. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just love <laughs> the idea. I feel like George Bush would just be staying looking so confused as well, saying that like, <laughs> it would be like, wow, right, this was a really long plan of yours that took like, <laughs> <laughs> it took a real like while to really come to fruition, but we're glad that you're having your moment now about it. Um, I would love to see that. I'm like, this is why it's like, there already is Super League. Like, <laughs> you know, just yeah. cut the crap. Let's just have all these teams. Just put three of them, PSG, City, and Chelsea in a league together. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's it. They can just go off and they can play the oil. What was it? George Bush's oil derby? No, George Bush's uh, George Bush's oil wars. George Bush's oil wars. Um, it sounds like some like thing from the seventies, which is like a touring roadshow that just goes around to like every every country town, <laughs> like puts on a show. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, like go for it. Like, um, I was actually interesting enough. Like, I, I was looking up just um, looking into sports washing the other day, just just having mm. a bit of a read. And it's interesting when you look at that on um, that page on Wikipedia. Um, it's like examples of this. Man City, Chelsea, <laughs> PSG, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Formula One. It's like basically yeah. all this. And it was really kind of interesting. And then I actually watched a documentary on uh, Qatar and the sports washing and the horrendous, horrendous, like slave-like conditions that the workers are kept in oh, it's so against awful. their will. It is absolutely vile. Mm. And it made me think, I know this is, again, another tangent here, but it just made me think like, you know, Messi has gone to this club, like, you know, that's owned by Qatar. Mm. <laughs> like, and it's like, can you not see any conflict there? Like, do you not want to, like, you know, you held up as this ambassador for the sport and all that sort of stuff. And all mm. the players who are going to PSG, it's like, do none of you just go, you know what? Of course, we're in Paris, we're in France. Like, there is some level of separation there. But also at the same time, like, our owners are cooked. Mm. Um, and this is another example of sports washing, like, no. So it's like what I what I mean by that is like, you know, Messi is always talked about as like the golden boy of the sport where it's like everyone's like, oh, Ronaldo's so arrogant and that and like, oh, and Messi's just a real nice, quiet lad. Um, but it's like he's corrupted by all that stuff. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, look, the whole sport is corrupt in that sense. So let's just call it what it is. Let's get George, Bo- George Bush's oil wars. <laughs> um, let, let's get that going. Um, yeah. And then cool. That might give someone else a chance to win something. Exactly. Yep. I think it's a great idea. And like, I don't want to play, you know, my billionaire owner is better than your billionaire because they all suck. But like, I just think specifically it would be great considering the thematic connections between those clubs um, that it would be, it would be really fitting to have them all together, you know, and like, especially considering the um, seemingly uh, lack of petrol in the UK at the moment. I don't know if people are queuing up. (laughs) Like it would be very momentous. Like it would be a big, it would be a big event. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, before we get too off track, um, do, should we do the uh, bit Spursy medal uh, uh, votes? No, let's find other topics we can distract ourselves <laughs> with, <laughs> so we don't have to do it. Um, yeah. No, you know, right? Let's do the votes. Um, let's do the votes. Uh, yep. So uh, yeah, Jackson, the wonderful guest we've had on the last couple of weeks, yep. uh, in your absence, he's uh, he's put in votes on your behalf. Yeah, uh, you may or may not have agreed with some of them, but mm. uh, by the rules of the Bitspursy Medal, which are non-existent, um, mm. they stand. <laughs> so yep. now is your chance, Barney, to make up for any disagreement <laughs> you have. But also, I mean, you know, this is a challenging game to give out votes for. So 
Do you want yep. to get kicked off uh, first? Yeah. And, and start Absolutely. with uh, your votes for the a bit Spursy medal uh, for the North London dub. I think we've just decided we're not doing Europa League or Cup games because no, no, um, yeah, it's difficult no. to watch all of them at like yeah. three a.m. Um, yeah. So all right, Barney, your votes for the uh, a bit Spursy medal for the North London derby. Okay, so obviously this was very hard to do, but I persevered and come up with uh, my three votes. Um, so I'm giving three to Sonny. Um, because uh, he uh, scored. Uh, and uh, second of all, I'm they're really based on the fact that he was carrying the ball and trying to G everyone up and saying, like, come on, guys, let's do this, um, which is seemingly completely lacking from this team. So um, he gets three for that. Uh, two, I'm giving to Skip because, uh, one, um, I slagged him off for the first three weeks, and when he came on, uh, he was great. So <laughs> um, I take it back. Um, he he was really good uh, once he was on and I hope that he plays again. So two votes for Skip. And then I'm giving uh, one vote to Emerson Royale. Um, 0.5 of that vote is just because his name is Emerson Royale. And the other 0.5 <laughs> is um, because when he came on, he didn't do anything so offensive um, that – uh, I felt personally aggrieved by it. Um, like I thought he was fine and I think he should have started and it was infuriating that he didn't. Um, in terms of encouragement awards, <laughs> see, this is where it gets very difficult because I don't know how. I, I'm going to give I'm going to give 0.5 to Larice because he let in three goals, but at the same time he made a couple of good saves Um um, the encouragement actually is about his distribution, which was terrible and it always has been. But it's just a little point five to say, come on, man, get better at that. <laughs> Be able to play the ball out. Um, so that that's going to go out. Um, and now for my my negative votes. Uh, yeah. So I'll probably check out for the next 30 minutes and then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, okay, quick. Negative three, Harry Kane, um, because you're a snake, uh, you were horrendous and you have been horrendous uh, also, in every neg- game. Sorry, negative three. Yeah. No, I love it, but I think like, have we ever given out a negative three before? Um, I'm not sure. There's going to be a few. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, negative three for Kane. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Uh, negative three for Nuno. Um, <laughs> this was one of the most abject manager <laughs> managerial decision-making uh examples that I have ever seen. Um this is that's including watching Tim Sherwood manage our club, um, who played Chadley as a midfielder, as a central midfielder. That was this was this bad. Um I am also gonna <laughs> continue on and give negative two to end on ballet because I thought his performance was pathetic. Um <laughs> uh negative two to Delhi. Um, because again, he was even more, he should really have a negative three, but I've already given that two. Um, I thought he was just absolutely abject. Um, and then finally, I'm going to give negative one to Arteta because of how happy he was when, when <laughs> Arsenal won. And like, we were set up a truck, like it's, that's not a victory. Like what, what are, oh. so negative one to Arteta and, uh, that's my votes. Hey. Amazing. Um, mm. All right. It's a tough act to follow. So um, <laughs> I, my votes, my votes. My yeah. votes are similar to yours, actually, to be fair. Um, I'm giving three to Son. 
again, he scored. Um, and I think if there's someone who does does try and does really care, I think it is Son. Um, like he always cares. And I think that he's the sort of player that when we do lose, I think it would really affect him. And mm. he's also, um, you know, he's committed to the club long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. He um, He's kind of like, you know, motioning to take that mantle from Kane as like the overall mm-hmm. fan's favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I just love Son. Um, so, you know, I'm biased. Maybe this is also just like a body of work vote as well. <laughs> where it's, Great. It's just like, you know, you get lucky some weeks on the medal. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, if it's a poor yeah, week, yeah. you do something good yeah. a few weeks ago, it lingers and, you know, you might get some residual votes coming through. Very good. Actually, Dan, that actually reminds me, I just forgot one of my votes. Can I just enter it in again? Of course, of course. Um, sorry, could I also give an encouragement award of uh, one vote instead of 0.5? One vote to Ryan Mason. Um <laughs> Great, great. Sorry, um, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's good. no, it's great. Um, yeah. And that could make a difference come the end of the season. We don't know. Yeah, I think it will. We don't know. I, well, I think it will. Um, so, okay, yep. Yeah, Son three um, for two votes. I'm also going to do it. Go skip because I think mm-hmm. um, again he was caught up in. There was, you know, he was getting criticised a lot at the start of the season, um, but I think he was also putting in some, you know, decent enough performances then and. I think he's a young player who, again, he comes in, he gets he gets stuck in, and I think mm. in the in the cup game against Wolves as well, it was the same thing. Like he put in a few really good tackles on Traore. Now I'm giving votes for like a performance in a different game. Yeah. <laughs> so a two, Skip is getting two votes in in this for the performance against Wolves, um, mm-hmm. and he just he was shutting down Traore um, on a number of occasions too. So mm-hmm. um, two votes for him. Uh, one vote, I'm going to give one vote to, uh, Larice, um, because I think overall, it's probably another body of work vote that <laughs> overall underappreciated in the sense that, um, you know, overall is still a very decent keeper has played 300 games for us or 301 mm-hmm. or two, whatever it is now. Um, and like he couldn't do much about most of those goals. Um, I agree mm-hmm. that his distribution is, is not great. It's never been a strong point for him, but I don't think he could have done much in that game. And so I just feel sorry for him just getting peppered all day long. Um, and it just would not have been fun. Like if that was in training, that's when one of the reserve keepers jumps in goals. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, yeah. Austin, you jump in and you just get peppered for like, <laughs> you know, the duration of the game. Um, so one vote for him. Um, encouragement votes. I'm going to give an, enc- uh, an encouragement to to Royale as well. Um because basically, if you did, like, you didn't start. If you didn't start in the first <laughs> half, you're getting votes. That's almost what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think again, like, he's he's a player who I think looks like a better all round player than Tanganga at the moment for right mm. back. Excuse me, Tanganga himself. He, like, he calls himself a centre back. Like, you saw his yeah. re- um, reaction to his FIFA rating, and he's like, right back. Mm. What do you mean centre back? Um, mm. So I think Tanganga. You know, maybe at the end of the day, we just needed drop this and go Tanganga's a centre-back. He's not a right-back. Yeah. Um, if we're going to play a game really, really defensively, then okay, he can slot in there, f- definitely. But um, yeah, I think Royale is someone that we really need to start sort of working in as our first-choice right-back. Um, I'm going to give out some minus votes as well. Great. So I'm going to give a minus vote to every member of the starting 11 yep. um, for the first half. Great. So that includes players who got positive votes. Fantastic. Yep, so I guess Loris ends up getting no votes. Um, yep. But 
the first half was just so abject of any like desire to get back in the game overall. Um, apart from Son, but you know, he's going to take one for the team here as well. He's going to get mm-hmm. caught in with it because I think that's also what Son would want to do. He would be yeah, like, if would, everyone else would. is getting punished, I'm going to get punished too. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give a minus one to everyone on that team. Um, I'm going to give a minus three to Nuno. Great. Because I think it's like, mate, you've just got to back yourself a bit more and mm. like, don't look at this and go, oh, Arsenal maybe get a bit flustered when they get bombarded at the back. So let's just put six players up there. It's like, no, the first, last few games, you finally had like members of the squad together. You were finally starting to do something. And now you just kind of blew it all up because I think you're just maybe trying to be a bit too clever. So mm-hmm. I just think at this stage, Nuno, just drop that. Drop that, please. Um, <laughs> minus three. Because you, can't, you mm-hmm. can't not give Nuno minus votes for that game. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm, I'm also going to give uh, VAR minus two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one for not pulling up the tackle from Jaka on uh, Hoybier and also mm-hmm. for not giving the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think that's probably about it for me. Um, Great. I think that's probably about it because otherwise I don't want to start giving, like I know in, previously I gave Tuchel a vote for in, in the Chelsea game, but I'm not going to give any Arsenal players votes. That's just not going to happen. Yep. And yep. I think we could keep going through this, like, you know, negative votes for everyone. And, and mm. I, could, I could give out more, but um, yeah, overall, not a great game. Uh, not good. Um, so look, there are the votes there. Um, something yep. which was raised last week um, when uh, Jackson and I were doing the votes was, you know, do we want to keep um, keep the tally in the in the dark and only reveal it at the end of the season, or do we actually want to add them up and see where we're kind of sitting uh, with the votes? I'm torn because I want to know where everyone is, but at the same time, that is a huge confounder to how we might vote because if there's someone that's leading that we don't want to win, we're going to change how we vote. Yeah, exactly. Like I kind of like the idea that we just spend like four hours t- tallying up the votes <laughs> at the end of the season and we just do it. We can just do an episode dedicated to that. Um, and we all like, we don't know how, how we're voting mm. and where it comes through. And I think that might be good at this stage because like you say, mm. you know, we don't want to get um, influenced by our own votes and, mm. and see where things are. So yeah, all right, let's let's go with that then. Yeah, um, I think from depending on how the Villa game goes, um, we should maybe try and integrate some some listener votes as well. I'm I don't want to do it for this game because no one will vote. It'll just be a comment section of like Enoch out, like what you know, like it's just gonna be and I can't be bothered. So um like I know no one's gonna vote particularly differently from us. I'm sure Daniel Levy will get negative votes. So like and unfortunately, he actually didn't play. So, uh, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that might be a good thing going forward. Um, obviously, this week we have, well, we've got uh, the Conference League game tonight, which I am definitely not getting up for. And then we have Villa on Sunday night. Um, and we'll be back next week to uh, do a bit of a wrap on both of those. Yeah. So yeah. on on that game, um, how are you hoping that we're going to line up against Villa? Like what would you like to see us go with? Um, and I, I wouldn't really say what are your predictions for that game because I don't think we're in a, in a position to really predict results at the moment, but how would mm-hmm. you like to see us line up in that game? So I think that we're either going to see Nuno Pula um, Conte and we're going to go to the 3-4-3 three, three, 
Um, or because the four two three one worked in the second half, we'll go with that. Um, I what I want to happen is I want Romero to start. Um, I don't know who I want him to partner with at centre back. Maybe Tanganga, um, just to see him actually play in that position. You know, in a Premier League game, um, I would want um, Lacelso to start uh, alongside uh, Skip or Hoybier in the middle. Um, I would want Harry Kane out of here <laughs> and I'd want to play. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know too much about how Villa set up, so this is kind of blind, but um, just based on my own grievances and pettiness. So Kane's on the bench. Son starts up front and then I'd want uh, Hill on the on one of the flanks and I uh, guess more on the other. Um, I was going to say, like, I think, and what you said in this of, like, you don't know how Villa plays, so that's, you know, you're not too sure about that. But in a way, I kind of think that it seems like we have been trying to set up in certain games too, too focused on how the opposition is playing. Mm. Um, and then through that, it's taking longer for us to then start formulating this identity for ourselves. And I think mm. at this stage, I would just prefer us to really mainly be focusing on getting our own style of play developed mm. rather than sort of going into every game and going like, how do they play? Let's try and counteract that as much as we can. Mm. And I know that could be a bit of a naive take on things, but I think it's like, until we actually get like, cool, here's a system we're pretty comfortable with. Now we can make start making slight adjustments with how we play with it. So like, mm. cool, this game we can go with Reggion and um, Royale at fullback mm-hmm. because we can afford to push a bit further forward. Oh, this game we want to like pair it back a bit and play a little bit more defensively. So yep. I would just love us to start seeing um, one of those two formations you said, to be fair, like a 4-2-3-1 or a 3-4-3. Um, three, three. um I, th- I think at this stage, like a three four three is is interesting. It's like mm. I don't know if we've got enough defenders to consistently play a three four three because I feel like we'd yeah. probably need another centre back or two. But I think that would be an interesting setup um, to see that. Um, bearing that though, if we're playing four at the back, I would love to see Romero in. I think that we just need to start playing. We just need to start playing him. We just start getting get him in. If he's getting real tired, take him off. I don't care. But like. Start getting in more game time. Um, especially there's like we said, there's this whole joke of like going off for another three international games uh the mm. next month. So can we at least get Romero's like game total for Spurs above that of Argentina for this season before he yeah. goes on the next break? Um yeah. I'd love to get Dyer. I think Dyer deserves to stay back in personally. I think with Dyer, like in the Arsenal game, like Arsenal were just running ragged and there was no one in front of him like to do mm. anything there. I think in the first few games, like dies look pretty solid when he does have skip in front of him. Um, mm. So I think getting skip back in dire in. And then in terms of like the attacking side of the team, like I'd love to see Brian Hill come in. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if we drop Kane. Cause I'm like, let's just, let's just get him out, get him out of the spotlight, um, drop into the bench and be like, look, you're not playing well. Like you, you can't start this game and let's go with son up front. Let's go heal son. And then, I don't really care who else is on like the who mm. who else is in there. If I don't think Bergwijn's back yet, is he? No, no. So go go Lucas, go Geo, whatever. Who cares? Um, but I just think it's time to like just drop drop Kane for a couple of games. Something's not right. Um, sort that out, and then yeah, get maybe skip and Dombele Hoybier in. 
in the mm. in the in the midfield. Like I know we're not we're talking about not going three midfield, but like you know, I, I think even though we've spoken about Ndombele, it's like to me, it's like all right, one more chance to see if you've got Skip in there behind you, whose job is to try and get the ball and get it back to you, or just distribute to you as quickly as we can. Um, let's just see what happens there. But then if he doesn't do something the next couple of games and then I'm out on that. So yeah, let's, let's just hope that we, we, we don't just pull something else completely out of the hat. And that little table gremlin doesn't suggest a, let's play a two, seven, one. <laughs> yeah. Nuno's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that better be it from us because my laptop's battery is at 5%. So <laughs> that, uh, much like, um, my, uh, my patience with Nuno, it's very <laughs> reflective. Um, and also so, represents the percentage of effort that our players put in of the game on the weekend. So exactly. Yep, it's all perfect. tying up. The Illuminati all, is running everything. Yeah. Yeah. The triangle is complete. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you for having me back, Dan. Uh, I'm glad that I could force my way back into the lineup. Um, we'll be back next week to uh, chat about uh, Villa and the conference game. I'm, is it Mura? I'm just trying not to say their name because I don't want to stuff it up. I think it's um, Mura. I think it's Mura. Cool. cool, cool. Um, and yeah, if, uh, have a great uh, time wherever you are, with it, whatever you're doing. Uh, stay safe and thanks. And come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, I didn't do it. Come on. You. I'm, too, I'm too mad. I'm too mad. And Spurs just... Show me that you deserve me to say that at the end. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.